Welcome to Guys with Cancer, the podcast you never knew you needed. It's by Guys with Cancer, for Guys with Cancer, and everyone else. And now, here are your hosts, Rudy Fishman and Jeff Nerman. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Guys with Cancer. Jeff, you there? I, I am here, Rudy. I'm kind of interested, excited about this particular episode because I hear that you have brought company, uh, a resource, if you will, to kind of help answer some questions that we have and that our listeners may have. And could you give us a little bit more insight? Because you were being awfully secretive about who this person is. Well, I, I wanted you to be appropriately surprised, um, but I am extremely excited, uh, yes, to, um, and it, I don't want you to take it as you not being enough on your own. But, but I did think it would be great to have a special guest on the podcast today. And so I will, without further suspense, introduce her. We are very excited and honored to have um, Dr. Beverly Zavaleta on our show today. Dr. Zavaleta is a family physician, board certified, of course. But what makes her especially interesting to our audience is that she unfortunately shares something with you and with me, which is she is a cancer survivor. She's a guy? No, oh, she, she's not a guy. I that. Um, no, she's not a guy. I'll just say that over again without me talking over you. But, but she does share something with you, which she doesn't share with me, which is that she is also an alum of the University of Michigan. But we don't have to discuss that, and I'd prefer not to. So, But she also has been, in addition to surviving cancer herself, has been a longtime advocate of educating patients about cancer. And after completing her work, where presumably she did not know you at Ann Arbor, else she probably would not have agreed to be on our show, um, after getting her degree from, uh, from Michigan um, in anthropology, you weren't, you weren't in anthropology, were you, Rudy? Subsequent to that, she went to Harvard, where she got her medical, medical degree, which is I hear a pretty good medical school. Yes, I don't know. Yes, not I don't know if I've ever heard of. Not, I haven't heard of this Harvard Institute. Is that a good college? Well, people like you and me don't usually hear about Harvard, but the smart people like Dr. Zavaleta, you know, that's where they go. Uh, Dr. Beverly, do you mind if I call you uh, Dr. Z or Dr. Z for our international listeners? You have a lot of, lot yes. of listeners in the UK. UK. Um, yes, yes, gentlemen. Hi there. I'm so happy to be on. Actually. I, I will answer to Dr. Savaleta, uh, Dr. Z, and Dr. Z. Uh, all three are in active use. Well, we just want to make sure you're, you're given the recognition that you deserve, which I wasn't finished describing, Rudy, and has worked for several years in private family medicine. I, I'm really excited about, about talking more to you, Dr. Beverly, because um, one of the things I found kind of lacking, at least in my particular cancer journey, because I know everybody's a little different, is that uh, I didn't think there was often, there was, it felt like some sort of disconnect between the oncologist and the patient and the way certain things were explained and and the way questions were a- answered. And then you having been on the kind of both sides of the fence, so to speak, you certainly have a unique perspective and might understand what are the, some of the frustrations on part of the patients, some of the frustrations on part of the doctors, maybe being able to read a little bit better between the lines of things that they're saying. I understand you have written a book called Braving Chemo. You can you just tell us a little bit about sort of the motivation of the book? 
Sure, absolutely. So first, thank you so much for inviting me on the show. I, I really enjoy it. And it was really hard not to laugh throughout the, my intro. <laughs> I definitely experienced both sides of the, of the exam table or the, both sides of the hospital bed, as they say. It's an interesting experience being a doctor and a patient and at the same time. I mean, I'll tell you, I can't turn off my doctor brain even when I am the patient. And, and that, that has some upsides and some downsides as well. I think to some extent, when I heard the diagnosis that I had cancer and was getting the information, and one side, I, I know exactly what that means, and I, I can go immediately to the worst-case scenario, and, and to some extent, I think that can be scarier uh, than if you are sort of blissfully clueless. On the other hand, what is good about it is that I can really quickly research what I need to know. I can, I can get up to speed. I can talk shop with the doctors. If I don't think I'm getting what I'm needing, I know where to go. And so that was obviously a definite advantage. There were some stumbles for sure along the way, but, but for the most part, I felt that, uh, that my medical training was a huge bonus and I was able to navigate things and, and advocate for myself and get what I needed. And when I would look to the left, look to the right, and see other patients and people going through the process, I, 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 multiple times I just thought to myself, oh, my word, how does anybody without these types of resources that I have in my own head, how do they navigate this? How, I mean, how does anybody even get through the day? And because it, it's hard enough for me, how does anybody else do it? The book I wrote, which is called Braving Chemo, and the subtitle is What to Expect, How to Prepare, and How to Get Through It. And, and what it is is a patient guidebook for strategies for taking care of yourself during chemotherapy to minimize side effects, handle some of the mental health difficulties that can come up, and educating yourself about the process. And that came out of what I learned taking care of myself, but more so helping some uh, friends that were also going through chemo either at the same time as me or shortly after, and also some other family members of friends. And this is across the country that as soon as I was in treatment, people sort of came out of the woodwork and approached me asking for assistance, basically not medical care, but what we call curbsiding. In other words, hey, doc, I have this question, or my cousin is sick and and he's having this trouble with chemo. What should he, what should he do for diarrhea? Or I'm sorry, we went to the poop right away. I apologize. It just, <laughs> sorry. This is so, no holds barred show, so don't worry. There, okay, all right. It really came out of just this accumulated text messages and emails and phone conversations with multiple people over the course of about nine months while I was during tre- getting treatment and realizing that people still need resources. Again, this is not to say that they don't get a lot of resources or that there aren't resources. So let me take a sidebar. This book and, and this show is, is not to replace medical advice, okay? Uh, this, is a, this is an additional resource. So everybody has their medical team, their oncologist, their family doctor, their usually the oncology nurses who are absolutely superheroes. We all know that. But... Cancer is, is a huge, it's a huge challenge. It's a huge mountain that we scale. And 
it just became clear to me that, that people need more. So I wanted to deliver more. What I tried to do in the book was really uh, give something that's actionable. In other words, it's clear and simple but specific and, and gives a plan. And obviously, not everything applies to everybody in all situations, but to give enough scenarios and enough tips and actionable plans so that most people can find something at least to try. And then with plenty of instructions that if this isn't working, you need to call your team day or night. And, you know, always trying to close the loop back to their doctor, back to their, you know, the doctor on call or call, call their chemo nurse the next day. But at least they have a plan, something that they can look in that extensive table of contents and look up what their symptom is, and then try that plan with that prescription. Otherwise, there's just a disconnect between what they got from the doctor, but then not really knowing how to implement it. Because as someone who, you know, I've taken care of many, many patients in the hospital, okay, so putting my doctor hat on, I've admitted the patient and given them the hydration and, and to get them out of that rut of chemotherapy-induced dehydration and vomiting, and, and maybe if eight out of ten could be prevented, that would be better. It's hard. But, but I thought that might be a good opportunity to sort of talk about one of the things that I know we all have wanted to, to discuss a bit, which is about articulating the, the needs that, that we have as patients. And because the title of this podcast is Guys with Cancer, it seems to us and part of our motivation for doing this podcast was that I think typically men more so for various reasons seem to have trouble um, asking for the help that they need. And so it'd be very interesting, I think, to have your perspective us um, could benefit from. I do agree with you that it can be tricky for men to ask for help in health-related uh, aspects. I think I've read the statistic uh, in my medical journals that something like 80 to 85% of all healthcare decisions are actually made or accessed by women, which is interesting, which means that even within the family, the drivers of the healthcare decisions and consuming is the wife or the daughter or one of the women. But still that doesn't mean, yeah, I, so I, I'm sorry I don't have a citation for that. But um, That's okay. We'll, we'll, we'll source it later. You'll, you'll let it slide. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so that being said, and I think, and that comes from maybe traditional cultural roles of women being the caretakers. And so uh, that's a comfortable role division of labor in many families. Again, not always. I, I have I have several friends where actually the father is the stay-at-home parent. And that I never saw that when I was growing up. But you know, among my peer group, um, I, I have several families. So that's an aside. In other words, that might be changing. But, but I right. still think right. it, it tends to be true that you have more women in a caregiver role. So they tend to take on caring for the health of the family. So when that happens, so what I see is I see that men, when they get sick, they don't necessarily know how to verbalize 
what what's going on. And that can be even just from trying to explain their symptoms. Some men are very good at it. If they tend to be verbal, like in their personality, maybe they, they can verbalize, but sometimes it's just, yeah, I feel like crap. <laughs> and I don't get much more than that from them. <laughs> um, so that's, as a doctor, kind of difficult to work with, like, can you be more detailed, maybe? Right. Um, <laughs> one, of the, one of the things that I like, I mean, I'm just kind of like scrolling through the uh, table of contents in the yeah. first chapter here of your book is that you include a list of questions. So, you know, yeah. I mean, which I think is great because say you are in one of the situations like, I mean, I am my wife, makes a lot of the decisions I weigh in heavily or whatever advice, but uh-huh. ultimately she knows that, that you know, I'm one of those that's not necessarily always good to trust myself, but this list of questions is is great because at least it allows me to pretend like <laughs> I know what to ask <laughs> and yeah. verbalize some of this stuff. I mean, uh, and it's actually kind of shocking because there's, a, I mean, it's like a list of about 13 or 14 questions, and and I would say there's two or three of them I still haven't really asked or gotten the answer to, and I'm done with chemotherapy, so it's like, I think these are all mm-hmm. great I was, things I wish I would have asked earlier on or my wife would have asked earlier on right. um, during right. the process. Um, I think right. they're very valuable. Um, so it's, uh, no, I think this is, this is great. This is a, a, a great and very needed resource. And as we're talking about, especially for, for men, because we may not, might be too embarrassed. It's sort of like, I'm tough. I'm going to, you know, whatever. Just tell me what I need to do to live. Okay, okay, I'm I'm doing it. I think this is help. This gives you more tools to kind of accomplish that mission. Most people feel that blindsided, deer in the headlights, total terror. I mean, most people feel that way. And yeah. I would say, so when I did start to research for the book, because I had one good friend who I was helping her sister through her through the sister's chemo quite a bit and she really urged me to write the book. And and my first response was, why do I need to write a book when there is there's a ton of stuff out there? Why why should I like how could it possibly be necessary? Why why do I, like why is this needed? And she said, "Well, for one thing, you're already helping these other people." And so I I delved into the resources that were out there, and the number one thing I found was the resources are incredibly deep. They're they're very dense and and overwhelming. And so if I had to put the book into one word, it would be the word simple. And not simple in the terms of like childish simple, but simple in the terms of clear, to get the noise to stop, kind of clear. Well, just because you're in this raging storm yeah. and, and there's so much screaming going on, you just don't know what to do. And so I felt, or, or I think I've described it as, yeah, when you have all these resources and then they give you a bunch of handouts and then the chemo nurse talks at you and then, and then your friend says, look at this website, and you go there and there's like 5,000 different things to click on on the website, it's like trying to drink from Niagara Falls. I'm from, I'm from New York originally. <laughs> so, oh. uh, <laughs> I like you even so, more now, yes. Yeah, so, so I, that's, I, in my mind, that's what I wanted to create was something that could get all the screaming to stop because 
it's just there's just too much. So just try to pick out the simplest, clearest points, like a list of questions to ask your oncologist. And there are almost every little section has bullet lists because who wants to read paragraphs? Not me when I'm feeling sick. I mean, no, no, no um, paragraphs are very 90s. I think they're really, you know, nobody, <laughs> nobody does that anymore. Right. So there are a few. There are a few paragraphs. Uh, on that, um, I mean, I actually, I, I like how you have this organized too because it's, it's like you said, it's very simple. So I was a teacher before I was a doctor. And I, I'm always, I, I always keep in mind that doctor comes from the Latin word docere, which is to teach. And I use this as an excuse to be, to be kind of bossy sometimes. <laughs> With my patients, I, I would write handouts in the office for diet and exercise and vitamins. And as a family doctor, everything's on my plate, everything. I mean, it all, it all rolls downhill <laughs> or, or uphill, however you look at it. When I, when I visualized this book coming together, I kind of saw it as like a binder of handouts on all these different topics. And hopefully not as boring as that, right? But a compendium of resources in that sense so that, yeah, you don't have to read it from beginning to end. You can just flip to what you need today. Well, I was just going to say the fact that, she, you know, she knows some Latin. I think it obviously explains why she went to Harvard and you and I don't go to places like that. But, but I don't want to miss the more important point. And I, I thought maybe we should, we could talk about sort of mindset and sort of your experiences in, in dealing with that, both, both while enduring chemo and, and while living with cancer generally. So when I was diagnosed, I was the, sort of the concept of mindset immediately came into focus for me because the most common mindset is the battle mindset. It's just that kind of also overtakes um, how every uh, cancer is and cancer treatment is conceptualized. I think there actually is some propagation of that in marketing and media because it's so easy to make a T-shirt that says, uh, you know, no one fights alone or any of the other sort of slogany things that you can sell. And immediately when I was diagnosed, I just felt that that was not, I just didn't feel that. I didn't feel it. Now, I also didn't feel like, I mean, I didn't feel like I wanted to just sort of go in a cave and die. I didn't, it wasn't like I felt I wanted to give up. On the contrary, but it just didn't resonate with me because, uh, and I think you had, uh, maybe it was you, Jeff, said something similar. I felt that the cancer had come from me and was me, and so fighting a battle felt like I was somehow battling myself, and that just didn't feel right. So for me, the way I would, I would describe it is more of a healing mindset. I needed to heal myself, and... So it was that the cancer needed to be healed. The cancer that was in me and from me and part of me needed to be healed. And there's something, and this is maybe my, you know, I think it's a sort of a personality thing and how you approach it. But for me, that felt, that felt better. I could draw energy from it. I could, I could 
I could use that as a focal point in how I structured my exercise. Because uh, I, I could do, I was very debilitated by my treatment. I could do very little exercise. So there was, there was no battle happening with still, you know, I mean, some people are able to still run during their treatment. Fantastic. But that was not, that was not happening with me. So it was not useful to try to harness that. That was, that was just not going to work. So uh, for me, using a different mindset, and for me, it was healing. So so I actually, in the book, I have several sections that goes through that and explores what is a mindset and, and to try to get people to be, number one, aware that there is a mindset, and then number two, that there's a choice about it. Because I think if, if patients, if people get swept into the battle mindset, that can actually be exhausting and not helpful if that's not a good fit for you. I, I think one of the themes in the book that I return to in, in every chapter, because I, I have visualization exercises that I wrote for each chapter, and the theme of those exercises is really to help people to tune in to what it is that they're feeling and needing and to trust that. And so that theme is that you that that each person needs to listen to to what they need and and honor that in other words find your own mindset and honor that and and of course the the flip side is that we all as a community need to honor each other's and and allow people to have their own mindsets and not and and not be saying you need to be on a journey and journaling like no maybe that person doesn't need to do that maybe they do need to be fighting a battle and that's fine there were two other points about the book, and that is that I I am concerned about patient access because I, I live in an under-resourced area in general. I tried to keep much of the advice in the book very simple and inexpensive, meaning that it doesn't require a lot of other equipment or money or uh, other components to it. Regular people can just carry it out. And I also kept the language fairly simple. You don't, you don't need a PhD to understand it. There are, there are a few points in the book where I do get into some science. I had to sort of, um, I wanted to drill down on some scientific points in a few places, but other than that, it doesn't nerd out that much. And so, I, and I thought that was important for access because so much of the information that's either online or in other books, and and I do I. That being said, it has an extensive bibliography that if people want more information, there's extensive, extensive lists of other books and resources that they can go to if they want it. And then finally, I will have the Spanish edition coming out in December. So the English edition releases November the 11th, and the Spanish edition we're working on, um, and it'll come out in December because most of my patients here speak Spanish. Where can they find the book? So it will be on Amazon. It's for you can order on you can pre-order on Kindle now. Um, but the other platforms like Apple Books, Kobo, uh, and the print book will will be available uh, from Amazon. I'm hoping the, the bookstores will be able to order as well because uh, it's being published through IngramSpark. Where all where all the finest books are sold, it will be available. Yes, <laughs> so I, I really appreciate being on the podcast. I think what you all are doing is a great addition to the voices. I think 
I think it's much needed, and I appreciate your humor. I think humor, especially a little bit of dark humor, goes a long way, and it's much needed, and it can lift people's spirits. So I'm, I'm really happy that y'all are doing this. Thank you so much for being on the, on the show. We were very much looking forward to having you as a guest, and um, I think what you're doing is so important and so wonderful, and um, I really wish I had had your book, Braving Chemo, available when I uh, went through chemo. But they tell, me, they tell me that there's a good chance I'll have to go through chemo again, so I will, I will definitely oh. be – I would definitely – yeah, well, hopefully no time soon, but I'll definitely be ready for maybe, – maybe it'll be on, like, the third edition or something by, by then. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah. Good times. We'll be looking forward to that. <laughs> <laughs> Whether you're going through – about to go through chemo, going through chemo, done with chemo, I think that you yourself are going through chemo or somebody you care about – I think there's a lot of really valuable stuff in this book, Braving Chemo. That seems like a good spot to wrap things up, as always. If um, any listeners have any questions or want to learn more, um, visit guyswithcancer.com. You can send us an email at guyswithcancer at gmail.com. You can find us on, on uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Also, too, um, a little bit n- news, if you could spread the word to your friends and family, we are now available pretty much everywhere in terms of podcasts. Thank, thank you very much, Doctor, for all your time, and it's been great to have you on. And, You're uh, welcome. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity. Thanks for listening to Guys With Cancer. Want more? Visit guyswithcancer.com or find us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. You can also email us at guyswithcancer at gmail.com. This has been a production of Progressive Panther Media.